adventurer, you finally reached a Serax labyrinth. What do you do? I'll roll perception. Roll. Nat 20. Through the darkness, you see a door with a sign on it that says D&D Academy. I'll head inside. You head inside. Hello there, ladies and gents, and welcome back to D&D Academy Season 1, in which we are covering the character classes. I am here with my good friend, Dr. Hogg. Hi. And today we'll be covering the second class in Dungeons & Dragons, which is the Seducing Dragon, Holic, you know it, the Constantly I Cast Counter Charm, the Bard. Woo! The Bard, uh, one of the most notorious D&D characters that almost every single person likes to play, but then when they actually play it, it turns out they're not so powerful. But we have some reworks. So sit back, relax, and watch the full podcast to hear our, our ideas and new concepts to improve this character. Let us explain how this whole podcast is, how this today's is going to work. We will be basic, first start, we will be covering the core concept of what is the class, and then we'll go into detail of the class features, its equipment, the level up system, and then we'll be having some conversation on how we think it can be better or changes that can be made. Before we get into the class details, what is the bard? A bard is a charisma-based class that it all involves around music and performance. This is one of the many support classes in D&D and has a useful wide variety of supportive abilities. Let us go on to the class features. Dr. Hogg, if you would like. With pleasure. All right, so the first thing about about bards is their hit points, hit dice. Specifically, uh, every level they would use a 1d8 per level. So you would just take a normal 1d8 and roll it every single time you level up. Hit hit points at first level is 8 plus your constitution modifier. Hit points at higher levels. You roll a 1d8 or 5 plus your constitution modifier per Bard level after first. Proficiencies. You are proficient with light armor. You are proficient with simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords. You're also proficient with three musical instruments of your choice. You're also proficient in saving throws such as dexterity and charisma. You're also proficient as skills. You can choose any three of these skills. Choose any three. Choose any th- uh, three skills that you prefer for your bard. So, in the beginning of making a character, you have a lot of variety with what you want to be. You could be any type of musician you really want. And it can it can be really flavorful for your character. You know, you could be a drummer boy. You used to be a soldier, so you would be you know you you would have a uh, drums, right? You would be the percussion as you would charge into battle. You know, a lot of flavor text that you can do. 
that you could put into this. Or you could be just a normal little uh, a noble a noble bard who used to play for the king, but it was banished into another kingdom. So, you know, you can have a jester's outfit or maybe even uh, some flutes or maracas, you know. It's really depending on what you decide as the player when you're making this character, how your backstory influences your instruments. Because the instruments tell a story. They really do. As it is also they really the do. source of the bard's spellcasting. But we'll get into that in a bit. Did we explain the equipment already? or? I'll go further. Equipment. You start with the following equipment, in addition to this equipment, granted by your background. You can either have A, a rapier, B, a longsword, or C, any simple weapon. That's the first option. Second option, A, a deployment pack, or B, an entertainer's pack. Third option, A, a lute, or B, any other musical instrument. And the last option, leather armor and a dagger so you have a lot of variety with your weapons since you know last episode we were talking about barbarians you would mostly just have a long sword of great axe or hand axes here you can have pretty much any simple weapon you desire so it could be a, a flare it can be a a sun star it could be a javelin if you prefer so it's very intricate with the barbar with uh, with bards at least Yes, indeed. Bards are one of those classes in which you can modify in your own way as no matter how you see it, there's always some way to make it work when playing a bard. And we'll always and we'll go further into that as we start discussing the table. At level one, you get the ability of spell casting. The music you play bends a magical weave that allows you to unleash arcane energy into the into the plane around you. At level one, you do get spellcasting, and you also get bardic inspiration, which is a which is a strict bard exclusive ability that allows any creature next to you within sixty feet of you that hears you to gain an extra d six to their roll. This is very helpful with anyone who's making checks or saving throws if they have a low mo- a low modifier. You can do you can do this. This feature, you can do it a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, which, or if you don't have that good, once, and you can do it again, regain those after a long rest. The amount of die amount that increases is per level, which would increase every fifth, ten, which would increase to a D8 at fifth level, a D10 at 12th level, and a D12 at 15. But we'll get to that in a bit. Also, you also can get two cantrips and two first level slots. You'll get a total of four known spells. Level two? At level two, you'll be able to have two new abilities, jack of all trades. Starting at level two, you can add half of your proficiency bonus, round it down, and to any ability check you make to that doesn't already include your proficiency bonus so if you would have a proficiency bonus of if you already had a proficiency bonus on weapons for example and your weapon proficiency bonus was plus three you would round uh, you would round it down so it would be a two 
and any other ability that isn't proficient with that isn't your proficiency at you can be able to put that as a check so imagine if you have to roll for athletics you would have an automatic plus two and whatever abilities that you would also have so very good uh, bards you know they you know they're 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 and it's it goes good with their character too because you know they're notorious for you know causing chaos a lot of dancing a lot of theatrics so it's it goes good with their character second you get song of rest at the beginning of level 2 you can use soothing music or orientation to help uh, I can't say that word uh, revilitize your wounded allies during a short rest if you or any friendly revitalize sorry it's okay if you and any friendly creatures you can hear your performance regain hit points at the end of the short rest by spreading one or more hit dice each of those creatures regain an extra 1d6 HP the extra hit points increase when you reach certain levels in this class to 1d8 at level 9, to 1d10 at level 13, and finally at level 17, you gain a 1d12. So, very good. After a short rest, you can increase your party's health. Like, it helps a lot, especially when DMs are in it. You know, very limited in their long rest. You could help the party out, give every single one a 1d8 of more HP back to the party. So battles can last longer, you know. And it's very good when you're about to go into a dungeon and you ask the DM. Because most of the time the DM's not going to allow you to go into have a long rest right before a big boss battle. So having a short rest, if... It'd be very convenient, but most likely it would not happen, especially in a dungeon. You know, me, a lot of dangerous know. things happen. We would know, yes. So, this ability really helps for those scenarios, but it's it's okay. Personally, I would increase its healing ability, like just a little bit, not so much, but just a little bit. You know, maybe in maybe increase it by giving it its proficiency bonus with it as well. So, um, like Jack of all trades, you would able you be able to actually um, use his proficiency bonus on this. So it would be a one d eight, right? Plus its proficiency bonus. So just a little bit more HP, but it, it's still pretty good at level two at least. Yes, we will talk about what we how we can improve it later. So stick around for that. At level three, level three, you gain the Bard's College. This is where you will decide the Bard subclass. Now, in the player's handbook, one of the one of the techniques for the Bard's College is known as the, the College of Lore. However, that is not all of them, as there are many different Bard subclasses. There is the College of Creation, which basically ex, which is basically based on creating certain and fabricating things that may seem unpredictable. Think of it like somewhat of an artificer, but toned down. The College of Ecolins. This is where you tone your true mastery of your charisma-based skills. The College of Glamour 
is a class in, involves a lot of healing and a lot of inspiring, involves a lot of performance. A lot of charisma and constitution is stated with the College of Glamour. The College of Lore, the one in here, is, a, is a, the simplest one. That is, it is the main, main pinpoint to what a bard is defined as a support. The College of Swords is the fighter one, which puts more emphasis on your offensive side of the bard that allows you to get more engaged with the combat side. The College of Valor is very similar to this, to the College of Swords. However, it improves a bard's ability for melee. The College of Whispers is a heavily role-playing subclass that involves areas of psychic control. Those are the bard subclasses, and you do get a new ability every time. However, they are very vague, so we will just continue. You also, on level 3, get an expertise. Expertise basically means that you can choose two skills and add and double it with your proficiency for any ability check. And you will also unlock, you will also get four spell slots for first level, and you will unlock two slots for second level. And for number four, it's just ability score improvement. But but you can learn a new spell and get a, 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 another second level slot. Fifth level? Fifth level. At fifth level, you gain Bardic Inspiration. Bardic Inspiration, you can inspire others through a steering word or music. To do so, you use a bonus action You on your turn to choose one creature other than yourself, within 60 feet of you, who could hear you. That creature gains one bardic inspiration die, a d6. Once within the next 10 minutes, that creature can roll the die to add the number rolled to another ability check, attack roll, or saving throw that it makes. The creature can wait until after its roll, the d20, before deciding to use the Bardic Inspiration die, but must decide before the DM says whether the roll succeeds or fails. Once the Bardic Inspiration die is rolled, it is lost. A creature can have only one Bardic Inspiration die at a time. Yes. You can use this feature a number of times equal to the your Charisma modifier a minimum of once. You can regain any expended uses when you finish a long rest, your bardic inspiration die changes when you reach a certain levels in the class. The die becomes a d8 at 5th level. Which is this one. A, d- a d10 at 10th level. And at level 15, it becomes a d12. Very well said. So very useful. Very useful for um, before battles as well. You know, it kind of ties in with, uh, you know, being a, a support class. Because that's really what bards are. They're mostly support. They're mostly su- supposed to give you added HP, added strength. Just making your stronger characters even stronger. So, that D6 at this level 
really can alter the battle. The next ability you gain is Font of Inspiration. Font of Inspiration states, at the beginning of your fifth level, you regain all of your expended uses of Bardic Inspiration when you finish a short rest or a long rest. So with your Charisma modifier, imagine your Charisma modifier was 5. Plus 5. You used all those Bardic Inspirations on every single one of your players. You take a short rest and you'll be able to cast all 5 of them all over again. So it's very useful. Those D8s and D6s really pile on, especially during a battle. And at level 5, you gain the ability to cast two third-level spells. Mm -hmm. Spells are very important to the Bard, as that's where most of his supportive abilities will come from. Now, Six level? Now, level 6. This is where things get a bit crazy, if I may say. Level 6, you learn Counter Charm. You gain the ability to use your musical notes or your vocal arts to disturb one's mind, influencing it in an effective way. You may use an action at the start of your performance that lasts until your next turn. During that performance, you and a friendly creature within 30 feet of you have an advantage on saving throws against being frightened or charmed. That creature, though, must be able to hear you to gain this benefit. The performance ends if you are incapacitated, silenced, or you decide to just end it. So you can keep going until something stops you. That is very good as although some people may see that being frightened or charmed isn't that isn't that good, a lot of creatures do have a way of charming which can be very, very annoying and very, very drastic depending on the situation you're all currently in. You well, doesn't that... Um... Well, wouldn't that be able to, like, doesn't it stop the person, doesn't he have to waste his turn, keep you uh, using that ability, or is it just one-time use? You, takes, how how would takes, you play it? It takes an action. It does take an action for you, and it lasts until the, until the end of your next turn. So, I personally do not like this ability. You waste your whole turn on using an ability that only lim- that only really limits creatures that don't, that that doesn't really affect a lot of ability. Being frightened and charmed, yes, is annoying, but it's way, way... Like, I'd rather be frightened and wasting a whole turn than wasting a whole turn on co- being vulnerable on... It's like, you know, wizards and their concentration, you know? Like, wizards are really powerful and some of their spells can destroy millions of NPCs or can destroy whole cities if they pull it off correctly but then you know you just cast a missile a a regular 1d4 missile at someone and their concentration is over and boom their whole plan is just gone and the same thing is here but it's like a worse reward you know it's high risk low reward if you get what, what i'm saying yes i do and i also see it as it is very situational now uh, also, at 6th level, you gain a Bard's College feature, which basically, depending on your subclass, when you reach level 6, you will unlock a special ability according to that, and you will gain another 3rd level spell slot. You may also count, you get, get 7. Level 7, you get nothing except for one fourth level spell slot. Num- um, level 8 is just another ability score improvement, but you get 2 fourth level. Level 9, 
Level 9. Level 9, you will increase your Song of Rest. No longer being a D6, but now a D8 improvement. So that's pretty much all you're going to get on level 8. Level 9, I mean. Plus another 4th level spell slot, yes. So it's no longer going to be a D6, but a D8, which, again, I find that's pretty... Not so bad, not so good, but not so bad. You know, it's mediocre. Level nine, uh, level ten. I mean, can I do it? Can I go ahead? Because level eleven is nothing. All right, <clears throat> level ten. You gain bardic inspiration. It increases by a D eight from a D six, and you gain expertise, magical secrets. Magical secrets being that... When you- magical secrets. By level 10, you have plundered magical knowledge from a wide spectrum of this... Uh... Disciplines. I can't say that. Disciplines. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. It's okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So at, at level 10, you have plundered magical knowledge from a wide spectrum of disciplines. Choose two spells from any classes, including this one. At a spell you choose must be a level that you can cast, as shown on the bar table or cantrip. This is really the chosen good. spell count as barred spells, for you are included in the number of in the spell known co- column of the bar table. You learn two additional spells from any classes at 14th level. And again at 18th level. So yeah, it's very good. You could pretty much take, you can you could be a bard and just cast fireball now. You you could be a bard. Yeah. Oh, imagine like you, you strum your guitar and then a loud crack of thunder. You know, thunder wave. You could use thunder wave, which is a cantrip. So you don't really have to, you don't have to waste a spell slot, and just cast of like it. It could be like an acoustic guitar. You. You strum your your instrument and a loud wave of thunder just comes out from it, emanating from it. You know that's that's some that's some flavor text right there. You can f- really flavor your instruments. Level now. Now this is funny. Level eighteen, magical secrets. You get a ninth level spell. What if you want to play a lich bard? Learn power word kill. That is a bard. That is broken. <laughs> At level 11, it is nothing. Level 12, you just gain an ability score improvement. Level 13. The Song of Rest. If you may. Uh, Level 14. All right. I'll go with this one. Magical, basically, for level 14, you get the Magical Secrets, which is basically the 14th area. You get to choose more spells. And the subclass feature at level 14, you will also gain you will also gain a seventh level spell slot. Level 15, your bardic inspiration just increases to a D and you get an eighth level spell slot. Level 16 is another ability score improvement. Level 17. Song of Rest. It is no longer a D8, but it has improved to a D12. Level 18. Magical secrets. And you get a ninth level spell slot. You gain another two spells. Now, considering the fact that these are going to be ninth level spells, go crazy. 
you can really go crazy with them. Power word kill. Hitch bars. So many. So sun. I think sunbeam. No, sunbeam's level eight. Yeah, it's level eight. Yeah, level eight. But still, it's very good, especially when you finally reach to these higher levels. You'll be able to cast really powerful spells and just taking them from other classes is like, you know, it's it's very unique toward to the bards, at least. You want to do level 19? Level 19 is ability score improvement. And then level 20, the final level, you gain superior inspiration. Superior inspiration states... At level 20, whenever you roll initiative, you have no uses of Bardic Inspiration left. You regain one use. That's not that good. Boring. That is the... Personally, that is the most worst level 20 ability that you can actually use. And, okay, yes, it's a D12 because you're at level 20 at this point, but you really are going to... You really are just gonna get regain one d12 for character, especially if your party's already D20, are level twenty as well with you. Imagine a barbarian. Do you think that barbarian really needs a d12 when he's rolling like almost almost sixteen d6s every single time he attacks, which is rage and like it's pointless. It's pointless to to wait to for that. It's really unnecessary at least, but. It's a de- it's level twenty. Twenty makes me want to go into a rage. I feel like <laughs> now this will be the segment in which we will basically talk about it. How we can improve talk the bard? What can be changed? How, yes, because the bard is. I feel in this state, in, at least in fifth edition, is not as powerful as it should be. Since bards, you know, are very unique with their music abilities, and you know, weren't really. It, a thing in the older editions in D anD D, there were morally there was mostly just you know, it was mostly just flavor text that you would really put into D anD D, especially like in third edition or in first think, edition, especially I, I first edition. Then, there wasn't a thing, there wasn't such a thing as a bard in first edition. It was mostly based on the military, uh, like war games and stuff like that. So having a bard into the game was not very used to. So it would just be mostly how you would express your character and not actually how we would be played and implemented in the game. So, I think... Like the bard I think one of those classes I, that is more like for like heavily roleplay, if, if you catch my drift. Yes, definitely. Like, um... I'll, I I personally think bards, if you could play them right, are like one of the most best RPS player, uh, uh Characters that you can use since you know there's a lot of backstory towards them. You can use their instruments to you cast spells. You can do a lot of things that really visualize D and D as a whole. Whether if you're playing with miniatures online or you know you're just talking, you know it's it's really good with the bard since it takes a lot of mind power to think about what they're gonna do. If I were to make a suggestion. The bard can be good if you decide to multi-class, but it's it's also really dependent if you want the bard. Yeah, to yeah, lead. definitely. Um, I feel bards are like I feel people use bards in the beginning of the game because they most of the time 
people choose bars when they're bored and they want to just mess around or most of the time or most of the time they choose bars because they think it looks cool playing instruments but when they find out they're really under level compared to the rest of the party they just subclass it like maybe at third or fourth level and then become fighter or become monk for the rest of the game so they're like level three bar, level three bar then level 17 uh monk or fighter or even wizard and they pretty much just ignore their rest of the sheet and just care about their wizard. And then they just care about the rest of their other multi-class and be mad that they can't cast ninth level wizard spells because of the three level bards they've actually they did in the beginning of the games. <laughs> so I want to make bard at least stand out a bit. You know, that's what we're trying to do right now. It's trying to make the bard stand out way more than it used than it is in fifth edition because in fifth edition it's just it sucks. really me- it's it's yeah it sucks in a kind way it, it's mediocre at best because it's only useful in very situational encounters you know a lot of creatures don't really get affected by charm you know half the half the population in Faerun at least in, in the D and D world elves don't they don't even get affected by charm spells. They yeah, can't they even fall asleep. Yes, they have. So, like, it's a very situational subclass that is mostly based on RP, a lot of role playing, and I wish it. I wish it can stand out more than just our than role playing, but actually be effective in battle. You know, if if you are going to play a bar, you should consult with your DM what kind of campaign you will be playing. And ask him, is it going to be focused combat heavily? Because if that's the case, then being a bard might not be a good class to play. Yeah, we su- we suggest that you play a different class. Like, we're not forcing you to do anything. You could choose a bard, and it could be a very heavenly towards bard. Because there are section colleges for the bard class, specifically for battling, which I... I yes, it's true. There's some classes that really heavily choose uh for fighting but if you really wanted to do fighting become a, a barbarian if you really want to if you were if you were in dnd and you just wanted to do a bunch of damage as a bard i don't suggest to be the bard i suggest to be a fighter a monk or even a you know especially a barbarian barbarian is the first thing you should do if you want to do damage since there's just so they're so tanky like if you really just want to be a character that wants to do damage bards are not the way to go since you know they're just overall underperforming in damage compared to other classes that are heavily focused on damage like more the first you know keen example barbarians or fighters so yes so bet if the game you were playing is role play heavily like let's say you were playing i don't know like a lot like a like a like Let's say it was based on like a detective kind of thing, or like let's say you were playing, let's say like a court case. The bard may be good there because of its high charisma, but even then, it is highly situational. So, all right, how can we improve? So, yeah, yeah. How can we improve it? Yeah, definitely. I was about to say that. Like, how can we improve um, the bards at least in a system way? Just on on paper and how can we make them way more useful in D? so so we both wrote down uh some some little uh 
some ideas. Or I have I have I have around four ideas. I have around like and, I have like uh, if I can go first because they're kind of short. Yeah, yeah just uh, we're we're gonna go back and forth, and we're gonna just talk about the ideas and see if we can actually implement them and just have scenarios about them. So, uh, go ahead, dude. All right. So, this is a concept I came up with that will heavily impact your beginning of when you make the bar. When you start with the when you first create the bar, you are very limited to music. However, when I see a bard, I see someone who is basically like a performer. They basically do things to entertain and to make people happy. So I came up with something that's similar to a background, but it's called a profession occupation. This will heavily impact your the way you start. Shall I shall I explain? Yeah, go ahead. All right. The musician being the, the the base one is basically the art of music, and you start with everything and all with everything, the loot and all that. But I added where you will be proficient in performance checks that actually involve music. The magician is a different one in which you have the ability to use illusions to mess with one's mind. You at the start you will gain minor illusion. And one extra illusion cantrip from any spell list. You know, as soon as you said that, that reminded me of like you know those like those you know Egyptian guys who like have flutes and make snakes like you know dance up and you know those. What are those called? I forgot what they're. Yeah, I, I, I think that reminded me of that. So I know what you're talking about. you like I can see that where like you play a vibration on your instrument and that causes a visual illusion. You know something yes, like that. Yes, that is the magician. So like you have to. See, it maybe be maybe would be concentrated, con- uh, take concentr- uh, concentration where as long as you're playing the instrument in a certain pitch or like in a certain melody, you keep an illusion keep uh, on going and until the like the person figure out oh that's not real or either you get tired and you just stop playing, uh, the illusion goes away. Is that pretty much what you're saying? Yes, that is the magician. That is the magician. The magician musician, boom. Yes, musician is the first one, but the only change to the musician is that you will be you will have proficiency in any musical type of performance. So like I could see can be good. Yeah, yeah, I can see like a a, like a a bard going onto a stage and playing his flute, making an illusion of like a beautiful woman or like a statue appear, and then you know play, you know it's casting illusion from its flute or maybe an ocarina or even drums, for example. And as the beat goes on, like it, it can make the image move or dance, you know, Sta- stationary, but like still show like it's real. It's actually there until he stops playing. So like, like imagine a, like a band is playing like an orchestra and they're and a, an orchestra just fill the bards. So imagine that an orchestra fill the bards and they all have this ability. Magician bards. Yeah. Magician bards. And they all just cast like dancers while they're playing. And as they finish, boom. They all disappear, like us, like the the finale, you know. And maybe that can increase. Maybe that can, like, if that's for specifically uh, at least for a party, it can really help uh, confuse the enemy. And that's a cool idea. I, I like that idea. That's um, especially with uh. So what is it gonna be like? Mostly specifically on psychics or like the psychic ability or like what is it gonna be like? Well, the, that, the psychic one's uh, actually like the fifth one. The magician actually focuses more on illusions. Illusions, okay. Now, 
Whereas the musician, the musician, it just it's just like a if you like the musician one is bi- like heavily role play, like just like if you if you, like, you want to be like like heavily role play, go with the magician, especially if you're with like, have the musical touch. Now, my third idea. This one was originally called the comedian, but I changed it to the jester. If you choose the jester occupation, you can you master the art of making and altering people's emotions with not only comedy but sympathy and anger. You can alter the way people feel based on your performance. With this one, you will have proficiencies in persuasion, deception, and performance. Hmm. Also, you gain the jester's outfit and your starting equipment. All right, that's why not. That's a good idea. All right. I know uh, that this one's a feat, but but it, hold on, what were you saying? What were you saying? Oh, uh, that we're gonna go back and forth. Oh no, I thought you meant like oh no, because this is all one idea. <laughs> I thought you had like multiple. Like, oh no, there's only like five of them. Yeah, right, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, this is the first idea category. All right. All right. Next, okay, so I know this one was a feat, but I thought it would make sense here. The actor. This is a heavily dexterity-based occupation that involves a lot of performing with agility. With this class... So would this be like a subclass? No, this, no, this is an occupation. Think of it like a background. Basically like a background. Oh, okay. With the actor... You can use your dexterity to excel in performances involving your athletics and acrobatics. With it, when you choose this, this occupation or background, you will gain proficiency in athletics, acrobatics, and plus two to deck save, to deck checks. What about charisma? Well, well, that's, more of, well that's more of the comedian. Well, well, well actors, actors still have to persuade the audience, you know? Actors imbue the character. That takes a lot of charisma to do that. You know, you and me can just be like, all right, in this episode of, <laughs> you know, we got to be, I mean we got to be a well, th- it's a stick, you know? It's not that kind of actor. It's not that kind of actor. Think of it more like the athletic actor. Oh. Okay. And last but not least, the mind bender. This is a psionics-based class, that a psionic-based background that is, it could be considered a subclass, but it won't make sense. With the mind bender, you have you inherit a psych. Anything. It doesn't really matter. All I know is that you have psychic powers. With this psychic gift, you can use any sort of power, which are optional. There are three of them. In order to enhance this, these psychic powers, there are three of them. There is a, the psychic, the psychic, there is the fortune teller. You can see greatly into different things and predict outcomes. You gain proficiency in insight, which can be very helpful in some cases. The second one. The second one is called the PSI. Okay, hold on. How do I pronounce this? What do you mean? How do you pronounce this? You, 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 you drew. You oh, made okay, it. I wrote on the internet how to spell it. Hold on. Bruh. <laughs> I 
Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, what you said, what you what, what you said earlier about like how the bar would have some more, you know, uh, it, about, uh, like proficiency or on insider exempting for like scenarios. I actually have an idea. My my third idea, bards. Uh, as as soon as you become a bard, right, you automatically gain advantages on certain areas in the world. So on perception, at least perception and investigation. So. If you were a bard, and and it, it depends on your uh, on your college, right? So, if you're more based on uh, fighting, or maybe more based on you know valor, more based on uh, you know uh, healing, it all depends on your background or ba your background, your college, and uh, being a bard itself. So, you would gain uh, proficiencies. I mean, uh, you would gain advantage on perception and insights in areas such as you know taverns parties meetups plays public performances etc since you know as a bar you are more of an entertainer so you'd be able to have you know where scenarios seem very similar towards your past and your background being a bar you'd be able to be you know you you'd be able to blend into a party more you'd be, be able to you know blend in with the crowd and scenarios of those so it, instead of being so like like imagine if you're a bard assassin right because if you were a bard background you'd be able to blend in into a party since like imagine the a prince was having a wedding you'd be able to go into that party and disguise yourself pretty well as like a gesture or even a singer you know having a advantage on your your uh your disguise and having advantage on stealth specifically as a bard you know so it's depending on the scenario, it'd be you'd have advantage on perception, insight, and depending on what you're trying to do, you would have you would potentially would gain your uh, proficiency bonus and use that on rolls. Not bad. All right. So going back to the psionic gifts, the fortune teller, which is basically just you get proficiency and advantage on insight checks. The second one is called the PSI Powerhouse. This one is where it, it puts the support in support. As with the PSI Powerhouse, you get the psionic, the psionic talent die, and you get the ability to conjure certain chords with your music. Whether you can, you can strum your guitar and create like a psychic barrier to shield your friends. That's one of the main ones. Mm. Or... Or you can blow on a horn and it shoots out like like a beam in the shape of a music of a music note dealing psychic damage. And last but not least is the song sage. This one is the heavy roleplay component of the psionic gift. As with your psychic powers, you can conjure up magical tunes from almost out of nowhere. With only the power of summoning it being your only mind. Any tunes that you've learned throughout your life, you can conjure it and play it at any moment as long as you are not incapacitated or dead. This will, of course, use a psionic talent die and can be very good in case you want to cause a distraction or attract. This will, this, however, you will have to roll basically to see if it works or not, depending on your DM. So, yeah, that is the psionic gift. Hmm. All right. Uh, that's a pretty good idea. Um, so be more see a bard would be mostly just about like you know using his brain as power or like what? Yeah, the psionic gift is basically you're psychic. You can either see into the future, 
conjure stuff or play music or play music out of seemingly nowhere. So if if a mystic had a guitar, pretty much. Pretty much. The song Sage is basically just a, a mystic with a bard. I feel like the song Sage is the one of the heavy roleplay one. The fortune teller could be really good if you're playing like a detective type game. Yeah, I can and see that. Says pretty good. All right. Uh, I, my I, second on. Um, I idea did have a sixth one it, that was based on a thief, but I got rid of it because it didn't make sense. It's basically known as the trickster, but it felt too much like Jester, so I got rid of it. Mm. And that's basically one of my first ideas. I'll let you explain yours. All right. So my first idea is the inspiration mechanic. Uh, when you're uh, when you just get inspiration, I think at level two, right? Level it two, is, right? Or well, level three? When do you gain inspiration? Level one. At level one, okay. Inspiration at level one, it's pretty. I understand that it's there since you know it's just a d6. It's not going to really be important, but only getting only gaining. Oh, excuse me. Only gaining one d6 every single time you cast it, and you only gaining after. And I mean, blah. I completely zoned out right there. And you only gain a couple of more uses of your inspiration after you level up quite a bit. It's not like level four, level five, you gain a better version of inspiration. It's like level nine, level 12 to almost level 20, where you just gain one more use if you have no more, which woohoo. So I would give um, bards a stronger inspiration at these low levels. So at level one, instead of a D6, it would be a D8 flat. But I would say you you only be able to gain this inspiration back after a short rest. Since uh, having a D8 at level 1 and constantly spamming it would be pretty annoying. So only having it once every short rest. Uh, so And then uh, at like level 4 or level 5... Pause, I'll be right back. Uh, you'll be able um, to my brother's calling it. me. I need to go give him something that he can't reach. I'll, I'll yeah, just continue. Alright. So at level 4, I'll be able to, you'll be able to cast that D8 twice every long rest. Every short rest, I mean. So every time you take a short rest, you better cast it twice. And depending on the scenario, like um, you'll you be able to cast it during battle You as a bonus action. You'll be able to cast it during, uh, you know, and, you know uh, just a normal conversation. It'd just be a normal inspiration on your character. Would, uh, your player would be able to cast it. The rule is uh, you won't be able to stack the D8s. So you won't be able to cast the inspiration twice, the D8s at least, on the same person. You only be you only be able to cast it t- once on one person and on the, on once on the other person twice a day. So it's not going to be it's it's not going to be too broken, especially with characters who ca- who have like strong spells or like have really high proficiency. It only help them by a little bit. At level ten, it level ten. Uh, actually, no, it's not level ten. Uh, level right, twelve. The D8 becomes the D8 becomes okay. So what I said was uh, at level at level five to level six, you'll be able to cast two D8s instead of one D8 every short rest. So it's um, instead of one D8 for like at early levels at level five, you'll be cast two D8s of inspiration every every short rest. But the rule is that you won't you won't be able to you won't be able to cast it twice on the same person. So you can't you can't give someone two D8s. Oh, that seems better so yeah 
it, like imagine it'd be broken though if you had two if you can cast two d8s at someone for inspiration twice every short rest you like you'd be able to pretty much just double damage for uh that's almost 16 damage inclusive and especially on ability checks so at level six you won't be you'll be able to cast two d8s every short rest at level 10 you'll be able to cast uh three d8s every short rest uh and then at level um level seven at level 15 my bad it, the whole cha- the thing changes so instead of having three d8s from level uh, level uh, twelve to thirteen, it's going to be. Hold on. Give me a second. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad you all are enjoying the podcast so far. If you have any requests, please leave it in the comment section. If there is one, we will be filming um, whenever we get the chance. And this section is basically, this section is, oh, I'm sorry. Just I'm back. Ideas. they're not actually in the game yet, they're just ideas. All right, you return. Yeah, they're, they're not. Exa- I was just, All I was right, just so telling I'm back. our okay. audience that, that if they so, have suggestions or recommendations or requests, they can put them in the comment section if there is one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to what I was saying. So at level 17, I'm sorry, level 15, Instead of having three d8s, it's going to be a d10. Uh, it's going to be two d10s. So instead of three d8s, it's going to go down to two d10s. And like before, you'll be able to cast it twice. Twi- you'll be able to cast the two d10s twice, uh, uh, once every short rest. So you'll be able to give one person a d10 and another person a d10. At level twenty, when you get when you be able to cast at level twenty, it's going to be different. Uh, you'll be able to cast a You'll be able to cast three d10s every single short rest, and uh, like before, it won't be able to stack. So, but it's still pretty good. Three d10s every short rest is a pretty powerful ability that you know is going to going to stack. It's it's not going to stack, but it's going to really help with the party. Okay, my second idea is a spell. Specifically, it's a, it's a spell. Uh, because you know, bar- bards have a lot of abilities that you know are coming from other, uh, other, uh, other uh, classes. You know, they they be able to you know inspire people. You know, that's mostly sorcerers. They be able to uh, you know cast powerful spells. That's mostly wizard. So I was thinking about giving them a more unique spells that only apply to them. So this spell is called Bardic Fury, and. You can get this spell as low as level 3. So let me tell you what it can do. Bardic Fury. The ability to hasten your attacks. Can attack with your mus- musical weapon for 1d8 plus charisma modifier. So what happens is you use a spell. And what that spell does, it allows you to attack with your musical weapon. So say drums, you know, a, a guitar... It, it, it magically imbues your 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 musical weapon and lets you attack for damage. So imagine you had a a trumpet, right? You can use your trumpet and swing it at someone for one d eight plus your magical with your charisma modifier. And at yeah, pretty much. So at level nine, it increases to two d eight plus your charisma. Levels at level seventeen, it goes to three d eight, and at level twenty, uh, bardic uh, bardic fury begin uh, goes up to forty eight plus charisma. So you've been able to use your 
so it increases your attack. So you'll be able to swing your your uh, your weapon as a bonus action, and it it will do forty eight plus charisma modifier on level twenty for Bardic Fury. What do you think about that? That's really good, actually. I, I I like that one. It seems like a like a new twist on the bard. Instead of them playing music, they're like, you know what? I'm pissed. I'm about to smack you with a saxophone. <laughs> I'm about to smack you with a saxophone. Exactly. You that one scene from SpongeBob where it's all like, is this where we get to do some kicking? No. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Like, no, Patrick. It's like, it's like, is this probably where we get to start kicking? <laughs> oh, kicking? I like to do some kicking. And then Sandy just like just beats the crap out of Patrick, and he ends up instead of a like a trumpet. Exactly. Like, it reminds me of that. Sandy, Sandy, what? Sandy was the original bard. They, <laughs> she literally sh- like okay, you know the spell Shillelagh, right? It's it's a Shillelagh. You know the spell Shillelagh. So Shillelagh is a specific for any viewers who are not watching. Shillelagh is specifically for wizards. And other casters, I think just for wizards no, actually, it, that imbues well, their magical staff with. I think so, yeah. Uh, sh- uh, uh, imbues your staff into a, f- and increases your we- your damage with with a I think a one d six I say a one d six or something like that. And plus, instead of using an at- your strength, it would use your wisdom modifier for b- extra damage. So this is pretty much what we're doing, but instead of. Um, Instead of using intelligence or strength, you use your charisma to increase its magical abilities with your with your instruments. So, a bard a bard is coming in battle with his with his squad, and he you know he's he's using a better inspiration, and he uses bardic fury as he's charging. Increase and he uses his drums, and he's like he can use his sticks as dual wields, so he can attack oh twice. Since you know you're yeah dual wielding with with your with the sticks of the of the so like the your the the drummer the the drumsticks glow like a bl- whatever color you want i i haven't th- thought about that but let's say bardic fury glows whatever color you want that depends on like you know favorite color it can glow blue green purple whatever and you can swing at you can swing at the opponent for damage now as a bonus action, so and it increases your attacks, but it only increases your attack specifically if you're going to attack with your musical weapon as a bonus action. So it's it's a very specific spell, but it's a very usable spell, especially in close quarter combats. Uh, so you gain this level at level three, and uh, yeah, you can. It, it's very abusive. You know it's funny? it's really helpful, especially in what? Well, I can see him using a harp as a bow and arrow. <laughs> you can just pull no, the strings violin, back. Violin, just like... so make sure. <laughs> right. All right. So, are you, did you finish your? I have. Uh, I have one right. more. I have one more. Okay. I have, an, I have one more as well, and it's actually quite lengthy. Okay. So, my my fourth idea, because I already said my third and second and first. Okay. <clears throat> Is musical scare? It's another spell. So musical scare, you have to roll a, a a DC of ten plus your charisma modifier to cast a spell, and uh, you can cast this spell at level fifteen. It's a pretty powerful spell. Bar, uh, you you begin to play an ominous and creepy 
melody inside your instrument. And any creature that is humanoid and is not, um, I forgot the word. Aberration? So, yeah, anything that's not uh, humanoid will not be affected. Any So any humanoids will be affected, and uh, undeads are not affected. So anything that's in a 60-foot radius that can hear the instrument will be affected with the scare, with the scare, uh, um, uh, the scare, um, what do you call it? The scare. Yeah. They'll become, they become fright. they become frightening and uh, frightened with, uh, yeah. So anything that's in a 60 foot radius that is humanoid will become frightening, frightened with, with the, with the musical scare. And, and, uh, you can cast at a level uh, 15. So it's pretty basic, but it's very useful, especially in like toast close quarter combat. You know, really good. Yeah, it synergizes well with like with rogues. You know, you can scare all the your opponents out and just let your rogue go in there and finish everyone off. The rogue just starts aggressively playing the, like the like like the the piano, just scaring everyone. <laughs> all right. All right, can I can I say my last idea because this one's quite lengthy. Go ahead. All right. This this is actually a sub a Bard's College class called the College of Companionship. This is a very unique class as it involves you building an army. With with this class, you learn Ooh. the ability to tame creatures. With your music and basically have them as pets, basically a musical version of a beast tamer. So like a druid, but with less of the pretty commitment. much. <laughs> if you are near a creature, their intelligence though has to be more than four. Their intelligence score. When you are near a creature okay. and you use your ability, which is tame, which can be used once per day, you can. You um you can make a a performance check with that. You know what would be funny? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. If if you didn't have that ability, you can tame ants <laughs> and just have an army of ants just carry you everywhere. What's just the, what's stopping? That'd be funny. You said the intelligence of four. I mean, I can lower that down. It's just a suggestion. You know what? Oh, fine. There's there's no intelligence okay. felony. Hey, hey, look. It shouldn't be as okay. It shouldn't be as strong as the druid because the druid specifically meant for that. So anything, anything that is huge. has an intelligence, it's mostly animals. I, yeah. So anything that's, I, I would say, would be like anything that is small or smaller. So here's the thing, though, the with an intelligence, with an with a, wait. So anything that's medium to to smaller Anti to small, dependent. right? And tiny, yes. With an intelligence of four or lower, can be affected with the spell. Yeah, because they're too small. Now, here's how it works. When you use the tame, anything within a 20 feet of you, you want to make a performance check, and the animals would have to make a charisma saving throw plus your spellcasting modifier to resist the tame. Once they are tamed, they are they stay by your side for a day until you cast and you, until you use the ability again. The ability, of course, can be re regained upon a long rest. 
And the max number you can tame, the max number you ha- can have tamed, is according to your constitution modifier. Ooh. Upon level seven, you gain two tames, and your and the max number of tames you can have is increased to five. That's at. Why con? I must I must question oh, that why con. Oh, okay. I was thinking like, hmm, con would be, but it would be a good concept. But like, I'm just a little confused. At tenth level, at tenth level, you gain the ability to use your bardic inspiration on your companions. This is very good if you order them to attack something for you, and they're not doing so good. And the number of teams you get per day increases to three. At seventeenth level, you get the fourth team, and you can have and you get you can have a maximum of seven companions. And you can now and you can now tame giant version of animals. But if you have a giant version, you can only have then one creature. Whoa. Okay, I was about to say like imagine seven no, titans. You can, you can only have like one. You can see there. You can have seven regular ones or one giant. Level twenty. Here it comes. Okay, question, question. Um, so imagine if you have not a giant. So imagine if you have um. You, so you only can have one gargantuan yes, like creature, you right? To a dragon, you would have to is it like a? Is it like a? Is it like a? Okay, is it like a scale? Like, you know, you can get like four, uh, six smalls and then one large, or like uh, three mediums and then one gargant, like one uh, two large, or like okay, so- f- uh, seven. Like uh, six tinies and then one medium. Okay, so like, let me. Let is me it like a scale or? Is... When you have level ten, you can have a, you have a total of seven tame slots. Think of this like the Clash of Clans barrack space, okay. where depending on the size, we'll take up a number of them. If it's tiny, medium. I mean, if it's tiny, small, or medium, it will take one. If it's a large or giant, if it's large or giant, it will take up four. If it's a gargantuan, it would take up all. Ooh. Now, okay. 20th level is where this, everything changes. Upon 20th level, you will have a total of 10 tame slots. And then, with this, however, any gargantuan creatures you tame will now only cost 5 tame slots. You will have a total of 8 tames per day. And, the, and you can regain half of them on a... And you can regain... A two of them on a short rest, and you will no longer have to retain creatures after a certain time period. Mm. So this was inspired by the Pied Piper when he was playing his music, and he had like a little like trail of mice with him. Think of it like that. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, level twenty, your animals no longer will leave you. So you-, you can you you can have a total of ten, and gargantuans will cost five. So you can have more than At one gargantuan, but you would only be able to have two of them. Okay, I feel like that's a little bit too OP since you can just tame them and then they won't Here's leave. The thing, so, at level twenty, you okay? Look, 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 at level twenty, you'll be able to gain two, 
but they would be able to leave after after uh, after you take a long rest or after uh what is it well, you, you after like maybe 24 hours oh, you know, at level 20 any tiny to giant creature any tiny to large creatures won't leave you after after won't leave you everything giants or gargantuans will though that that's what i meant to say Oh okay, so at level twenty, you you be able to get two of them, but yeah, you would they'd still be able to leave. And even then, you would have to. So yeah, at level twenty, you, gargantuans would cost five slots, whereas any other level it would cost all of them. However, in order to start taming gargantuans, you would have to have at least you would have to at least be level seven and get the fourth slot. Oh okay, yeah, on level twenty, how you can you can basically own two. Gargantuan? So this is more like us. This is so these slots are more like wizard spell slots where you have to let them recharge or like you have to let them fill up. You can fill them up like just pretty much go all out and just cast it, quote unquote cast. But instead of casting, you try to capture the largest one. So it's not even a guarantee that you might get the creature because you have you, you of course you have to roll for it and. You have to make sure that they keep, stay with you after a long rest. No, no. The, the time, the tame slots are actually like storage. Basically, like how many you can have. I don't know, but I'm, 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 but I'm saying it's not even a guarantee. Like how some, like how wizards can just cast spells and oh, it yeah, happens. The, you, they waste one spell oh, yeah, slot and you, boom. If you cast a tame and you waste one of the ability slots for the tame and you fail, you don't get it back. So, like, if you try to catch a large, like, a small creature, imagine if you're, like, level, I forgot what level it is, but uh, you have up to uh, seven slots, right? And you, at, at, and you try to ca level, cast, you uh, have one slot. cast a small, you try to, yeah, you try to cast the, you try to cast a small creature, but you fail, boom, you, you can no longer cast a gargantuan one until yeah, your next long yeah, rest, missing, which is, yeah. Exactly. Okay, I could. Okay, this is this is balanced. I can see that how it's not. I feel like you can tinker it a little bit, but it's pretty balanced for like it's not guaranteed. All right. So here's it's really not. At third level, you will have three storages and one tame. So basically, if you were to wanted to capture three creatures, they would have to all be right next to you and cast tame, and all of them would have to pass. At seventh level, you will okay. have five storages and three tames. This is where you can either get one tiny or one large or giant creature. At the 14th level, now, okay. at 14th level, you will get seven storage and five tames. This is where you can finally start taming gargantuans. If you fail, though, you will waste all of the, of the, all the tame slots. Think of it like, like a point. Like you have to spend them in order to try and catch them. Okay. Uh, if you were making a character sheet, where would this be? Like, would this be a separate paper? This would probably would be a separate sheet. Separately, or would, would this be an implement? And at this okay. level, you will gain 10 storage, and you will have 8 tames. 8 10 point, tame points. Now, okay. Now, here's where the size costs comes in. You want to tame a tiny creature... It will cost one tame point and take up one storage. If you want to tame a large creature, it will cost. Okay, the the question. My question is, why is there more storage than there is tame slots? Like you, if you have eight, like uh, ten slots, ten storage slots, but you only have like eight. Because there's a possibility where um, if there's if there's more than one animal and you cast tame, because it's like a, it's like an AOE effect. That's why. 
Mm, okay. So tiny. Oh, oh, I get you. So it's not like you 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 only it's not like uh you only contain no, one no, creature that you're looking at. You. It's a, a spell as that's you, around. You'll listen to you like like you can be lucky. Like you can be lucky. So ah, oh, so like imagine if you were surrounded by a bunch of man, like a bunch of uh werewolves, a bunch of w- wolves, right? Medium creatures, and you and you're like level fifth fifth level on the spell. You have the ability to cast uh. Uh, you have like six slots and six uh five tames. Okay, you be and there's four wolves. You be you be able to cast a spell and tame three of them, and the one wolf would be by himself pretty much. If you if you if here's where the size cost is where it it actually actually makes sense. If you want to tame a tiny one, it's gonna be a one 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 storage. It'll cost one point. You want to tame a small? Okay. It's also a one-one. If you want to tame medium, if you want to tame a All medium, right. it's gonna cost one-one. Now, if you want to cast, if you want to capture a a large one, it's gonna cost you a four-two. Wait, wait. Four, Four, um... two points. So, which means at fifth level, you'll probably be able to have one large creature and one small, tiny, medium. Okay. Giant creatures, they would. Giant creatures would also be a four-two. Gargantuan, on the other hand, is a five-five. So that means you would only be able to. That means if you are lucky, and if there's two gargantuan creatures right next to you, and you cast tame, there's a good chance you'll get one. Hmm. So yeah, that's okay. W- 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 does your does your tame get stronger as you level oh, up yeah, the spell? Uh, oh yeah, the oh, um, no. the ability score improvements. A, um, oh yeah, that's where the ability score improvement comes to you when you get an ability score. When you get oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. What is this? Uh, what is it like? Uh, what does it improve? What specifically does the spell use as your what do you mean? Role? Like, you know, what modifier are you trying to improve that will increase the chances of you oh, succeeding on a tame? Oh, okay, so the spell uses charisma as your role, so it would be, what, a 1d10 plus your yes, charisma and, modifier? And the DC that the animals would have to do would be, would basically be your spell casting ability plus your con mod. They have to pass... Yeah, they would have to they would have to pass the spell the, the spell. So they would have to pass a D uh, they would have to pass a, a, DC, a DC of ten plus your charisma modifier. So if your charisma modifier is plus five, so they would have to pass a fifteen in order not to be tamed. That's pretty much what you're saying. Yes. Now here's the difficult part. Creatures that are okay. passive will be probably easier to tame. Creatures that are neutral, they'll be neutral. Creatures that are hostile will be a little bit harder to tame. Yeah, how would that be implemented in the game? Here's the alignment system. If it's all right, so this is based on the challenge rating. If the challenge rating is if the challenge rating is lower than half your level, you will get an you will get an advantage. If it's if it's if it's within half your level, you get nothing. 
if the creature is higher than you and is hostile, the challenge rating is higher and hostile, you will get disadvantage. Ooh, okay. So it's it's pretty balanced since it would be harder for it, you get disadvantage on your roll when you're trying to ca- like tame a dragon, and even if you get the dragon, you still have to ro- re-roll again with its advantage again to try to tame it once more after the long rest. Yeah. So, so yeah, but there's okay, a I see that. Between... But anything that's anything that's in your CR level, it's gonna be uh pretty easy for you to get capture, and anything that's lower below your power level is gonna be pretty much like a guaranteed now, capture. Depending rate. on what you can tame. It is mainly animals. Yeah. Okay. My question is with the spell: Would you be able to, like, in like special in rooms? Like, imagine if you if you and the party were going into a um into a dungeon, and if you imagine you had a mammoth with you, uh, so it's a it's a giant mammoth. Does the mammoth go with you? Does he try to go with you, or does he stay outside, or does he get magically teleported into the room as soon as there's space? Or like, how that's is this de- going to apply? Depending on that's that, I haven't thought about because it wouldn't make sense, and it might be kind of broken if it just follows you, like teleports into rooms. Because then the fact that you can command it and enchant it if you want. Well, uh, I would say I would say it'd be okay. And just yeah, it, I would, it would be depending on the size of the creature, you know. If so, if it's imagine if you had like, imagine if you have like six snakes with you, they're just following you, whatever. They would pretty much be able to help you, and specifically in like puzzles, you know, you can use a snake to like sliver on this uh like minefield. They're light enough to, to slide on it while being affected by the weight and get something for you. Come back and boom. So like it could also help you solve puzzles, you know, especially if you don't have a wizard in your group. If uh, so, you can have like you can have a a, a variety of uh, creatures with you, and they can be able to help you. So you can have an owl to help you in like areas where it's mostly about vertical elevation. A snake for like um, you know specifically in low level areas uh, in dungeons, or like maybe even an insect for things that are like you really sensitive think. to like touch. And you're asking, do these creatures stats improve? So yes. When you get an ability score improvement, you do, do have, you have to, to take feed care them? of them because the DMS system where if you neglect them, they have a chance of either just leaving straight up or turning hostile against you. Ooh, okay. So it's pretty much just you could pretty much just have an automatic pet. Then it's just taking care of an automatic pet. Okay, so okay, there's a lot of responsibility with these since if you were going to try to like tame a you dragon and you succeed. Then congratulations! You have to take, you have to give that dragon a dragon's meal every single time it gets hungry, which is not gonna be. It's gonna be pretty hard to tame it. So it's, I can see how balanced this. The, I can see how this this actual ability can be used on bards, and honestly, it's pretty balanced for what it takes because you have to take care of the the food. You have to make sure that the animals. Well, in health, you know, you have to always have to tame them every single time if it's over your CR or below it, or it, regardless, you have, you always have to tame them regardless. And there's always a chance for you to fail, even if you have an advantage. So, now, yeah, I, I can see how this spell really works. That's where the ability score improvements come in. When you hit an ability score modifier, you have a choice 
to either put two into any of your mods or put one into one of your mods or put one into an animal of your choice. Okay, uh, so if you're going to use this, um, well, 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 let me uh, let me think. Uh, would that you increase choose. its you like choose. any of its abilities or like? Because it's 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 called training. ah okay. You basically just <laughs> could you also train? What were you saying? Uh, nothing. Uh, you're saying like, could you also train what? Oh, nothing. I'm just saying if you could train as well as, you know, having them with you when you level up specifically since I don't think that should really, uh, I don't know. I don't really well, think it yeah, should be applied to that. Every time you level up and you gain health, you can choose a creature of your choice to increase one of its stats. How much would it increase by? You got to roll a 1d4. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think that however, should be enough. Yeah, just remember that there's a huge difference between the storage slots and then the tame points. All right, man. Uh, is that the last idea? Well, the last idea, that being that you also become proficient. Um, there was supposed to be a. Prof oh yeah, you will also have advantage on animal handling, and that's it. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, guys. Well, I think that is the end of so much the for, episode. For guys. Again, this has been the Colin Clan and Dr. Hall with D&D Academy. We are so glad you could make it. And we will see you all later. Bye.